Okay, so I have something to admit. Uh, I am one of the few people who actually own a Nintendo Wii U. That's right, I own a Wii U. Uh, no, it's not just a screen attachment for the original Wii. It's actually a separate console. Uh, and even though it's sold incredibly poorly, I am one of the few diehard Nintendo fans who actually owns a Nintendo Wii U. And uh, honestly, it's probably one of my favorite Nintendo consoles. It has so much going for it, and I feel that it is super underrated. And it's definitely not Nintendo's biggest failure of all time, in my eyes. Uh, so today, in this episode of the Switched Podcast, uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about the good things about the Wii U. And we're going to talk about how, with a couple minor tweaks, Nintendo could have made it the best console ever made. Not only that, uh, we're going to get in even further into some crazy changes Nintendo could have made to the Wii U to even further make it the best console ever made. Folks, this episode is the Wii U episode, and we're going to sit down and we're going to pay respects to the most underrated Nintendo console of all time. Let's get right into it. The day was November 18th, 2012, and Nintendo released the highly anticipated successor to its greatly successful Nintendo Wii, the console that brought the uh, casual gamers out there and grandmas and grandpas and fucking everybody under one system to, uh, to start playing games, whether it was Wii Sports Wii Sports Resorts, or any of the other uh, very casual, friendly games available for the Nintendo Wii, the Wii truly brought in a wide, vast arrangement of people, uh, especially non-gamers, and I personally have memories of the yim-yam of uh, me and my little brothers creating basically every one of our family members and friends in the Mii Maker uh, when they came over to visit so we could play as them in Wii Sports. Uh, and I know for a fact that I've probably spent countless sleepovers at my friend's house as a kid uh, playing many, many, many rounds of Wii Tennis and Wii Bowling and Wii Baseball and just all these wonderful, wonderful games. And the Wii was truly a console that defined a generation and brought gaming into the households of many who never desired to have it in the house before. So in 2012, Nintendo really thought they were going to take a step uh, into furthering that engagement in the Wii uh, by making a true successor to the Wii in almost every way. The Wii U was basically just meant to be everything the Wii was, but better. It could even play Wii games. There literally was straight up a Wii mode, where if you put a Wii disc into the Wii U, and you clicked on it on the home screen, it would straight up just boot you into the Wii menu, and it would treat your Wii U as if it was a Wii. And as such, uh, in the modding community, 
which is very, very popular for the Wii. Uh, you can even hack your virtual Wii on your Wii U uh, separately from modding your actual Wii U itself. Uh, the Wii functionality was definitely a big selling point for the Wii U. And uh, you can even play the Wii games off of just the tablet screen uh, with a Wii remote, of course. And that gets us into the big upgrade between the Wii to the Wii U. Uh, Nintendo really wanted to make the Wii U the home console for families. Uh, all of the horrible, horrible commercials of the children explaining to their parents why they needed Wii U uh, were just one of many ways Nintendo really tried to push the Wii U as a family gaming device. Uh, the Wii U had a universal remote built into the touchscreen tablet controller. Uh, so with a single remote controller, uh, you could turn on and off your television and you could play all your games. You could watch YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, browse the internet, uh, do all sorts of things. You could even video chat on this thing and in its prime. And I know I had some friends back in the day who actually did use their Wii U's to video chat. Uh, and so it was actually a fairly decent video chatting program from what I heard. Uh, a lot of my friends preferred to use it over Skype even when we were playing PC games. Uh, we'd have a couple of my friends who would just chat with each other on the Wii U video chat. Uh, and, you know, that's great. That's fine. Uh, but basically, folks, I'm here to tell you today that Nintendo tried to make the ultimate casual-friendly successor to the Nintendo Wii. But on accident, they accidentally made the most die-hard Nintendo fan-oriented console in their entire lineup. And I'm going to get into that in this podcast, but the Wii U really is not as bad as everyone says. If you're a die-hard Nintendo fan like I am, it's honestly amazing. So quickly, I want to break down some of the features that I mentioned just a second ago and explain why they're so perfect for hardcore gamers. Uh, so the Wii U, uh, as I mentioned in the previous segment, had a universal remote built in. Uh, so not only did that create less hassle for the average console gamer uh, who was already juggling multiple remotes from different consoles, um, from having to juggle the TV remote as well. Uh, it also provided them with a screen uh, in case somebody was using the TV and they wanted to play their game still. Uh, imagine for a second, your controller has a screen on it. So your, your mom wants to watch her soaps or your dad wants to watch the big football game and you don't have one of those fancy split screen televisions uh, that lets you show, you know, a video game on one half of the screen and a television show or a baseball game or whatever on the other half. Um, or even if you do, sometimes my parents wouldn't even allow me to use that kind of thing uh, because they wanted their thing to be full screen. And I was a child, so I uh, did not get any priority in that situation. That being said, um, the Wii U tablet screen actually provided something that I would have very much been appreciative of when I was a child. 
the Wii U tablet screen basically allowed you to play and access 99% of the features of the Wii U straight from the tablet screen. It was up to the game to support uh, tablet screen play, but most of the games, as far as I can tell, did. Um, And so that allowed you to play uh, all these wonderful games built for the Wii U, uh, as well as watch YouTube, uh, Netflix, etc., and browse the internet and all that uh, from the tablet screen instead of having to have access to the TV. And that's for most games. There were a couple games where you had to have both. Uh, But a vast majority of them worked exclusively on the tablet screen. And uh, as far as for Nintendo games go, I'm pretty sure all of them supported tablet screen play. Uh, I know for a fact the ones that I care about the most, Mario Maker, uh, Wind Waker HD, Twilight Princess HD, uh, Mario Kart 8, those four all supported playing only on the gamepad screen, uh, which is a godsend uh, for a gamer in a pinch when the family wants to use the TV, uh, but you want to play some of your favorite Nintendo games. Um, And not only that, uh, as I mentioned before, the Wii U featured uh, Miiverse, which as the home screen uh, mentions every single time I turn on my Wii U, even though Miiverse is long gone, uh, is a combination of me and Universe, uh, because it's an online social network that allowed gamers to post screenshots and messages about their favorite games. And in its heyday, Miiverse was actually quite popular. I remember people would draw fan art and post it on there. Uh, They'd post screenshots and ask for help for certain games on there, and people would be nice and actually help. Uh, And then, of course, there was also the occasional, hey, add so-and-so, add Gino to Smash 4, add Gino to Smash 4. Uh, And... You know, but otherwise, Miiverse was very cool, and it was it was cool. Nintendo created a place uh, for its gamers to uh, go and check out and enjoy Nintendo games together. Uh, and going back to the Wii support on the Wii U, for big Nintendo fans such as myself, that is so so useful. I used to have to have, you know, plugged in a Wii, a GameCube. Uh, a Wii U, you know, everything. But the Wii U can act as a Wii and a Wii U. So I actually don't have to have the Wii U plugged in anymore. Or the, I don't have to have the Wii plugged in anymore. So it's it's so helpful to have just the Wii U that can run both the Wii and the Wii U games. And it can even upscale the Wii games um, to 480p over HDMI without needing to buy one of those uh, fancy adapters, which is very, very handy. And in terms of just a stock Wii U, there are so many features that are perfect for diehard Nintendo fans. Uh, Not to mention the fact that the eShop had uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy Advance, uh, and even some DS games were available on the Wii U eShop. So you could play a DS game where... Uh, You could either show both screens on the bottom screen in case you didn't have access to the TV, or you could put the top screen on the TV and the bottom screen on the Wii U. And I gotta say, uh, if you have a stylus for your Wii U gamepad, that is the definitive way to play DS games on a big screen. Uh, Even emulation comes nowhere near close 
to how seamless it feels to play a, a DS game on the Wii U. It literally is perfect for it. It's more or less a DS for your living room. And instead of having two screens connected, you, one of your screens is the TV and the other is the gamepad screen. It's so perfect. Uh, and not only that, the Wii U supported the gamepad, uh, Wii remotes, GameCube controllers, uh, Pro controllers, and there were even classic controllers for the Wii that you could use, and all sorts of stuff. Honestly, the amount of controllers you could use on the Wii U to play all sorts of different games was mind-boggling. And that's some stuff about the stock Wii U that was just, like, amazing. Um, and I haven't even gotten into any of the possible improvements that you can make with just modding before I get into, you know, suggestions and things that I wish could be done to make it even better. There's a whole modding scene that opens up the Wii U even further to the possibility of having even more features than it was intended to have. And next we're going to get into that. So now let's talk about what exactly you can do if you mod your Wii U. Now of course since modding is in the legally gray area of the law, uh, I will not be telling you how to mod, though I must say it is very easy on the Wii U, uh, and there are plenty upon plenty of guides online uh, in order to assist you in modding your Wii U. Uh, so definitely go check those out if you guys have a Wii U. Basically, modding a Wii U is a must if you want to get the most out of it. Uh, but some of the things you can do with a modded Wii U uh, involve uh, running backups of your Wii U games. So you can actually just copy the entire disc to your Wii U's hard drive uh, and then run the games directly from the hard drive without needing to have the disc to run it, which is really handy when you're someone like me who collects games and you don't want to muddy up your discs by constantly pulling them in and out of your Wii U and uh, doing all sorts of stuff with the cases and you don't want to scratch them up by opening them up and taking them out over and over and over again to put them into your Wii U so copying the discs to the hard drive is a really handy feature uh, of course there's also uh, stuff like running uh, virtual console injections uh, which virtual console injections are a way to play uh, unofficially uh, licensed games through the virtual console emulation. Uh, for example, let's say like one of the games that was officially available for the Wii U virtual console uh, was Dr. Furukawa's Brain Age or Brain Training or whatever it's called. Uh, and let's say you take that and using a tool provided by the modding community uh, you inject your own game into it instead instead of uh, brain age it's instead pokemon platinum and that allows you to play pokemon platinum through the wii u's official virtual uh, ds emulation uh, even though pokemon platinum was never officially available through that uh, and that's basically what virtual console injects are. And these are actually very useful if you have a modded Wii U. Uh, you can do them for DS, you can do them for Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, uh, stuff like that. There's also 
uh, probably the most useful virtual console injects, uh, which are for uh, Wii games. And you can basically uh, take any of the Wii eShop games and inject basically any Wii game you want onto them. And most of them run perfectly flawless. Uh, some of the virtual console injects don't work the best because Nintendo uh, put a lot of effort into making sure the specific curated virtual console games they did put on the eShop were finely tuned and worked exactly as they wanted them to. It works perfectly fine in my experience, but keep in mind there could be some glitches in using virtual console injects. However, with the Wii Virtual Console games, that's not a problem because uh, basically it's just running the game on the Virtual Wii already built onto your Wii U. Uh, and another nice thing that these Wii Virtual Console injects allow you to do is run uh, GameCube games through this program that's originally from the Wii homebrew scene uh, called Nintendon't. So basically, you can inject retail GameCube games into uh, Wii Virtual Console titles. And there's this tool online that'll allow you to do this. Of course, again, it's in a legal gray area, so I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Uh, <clears throat> but through the use of the Wii Virtual Console injector, you can actually get GameCube games running on your Wii U. Uh, and they run perfectly fine. They run properly. As far as I understand, uh, unless if the Wii U is emulating the Wii, which I'm pretty sure it's not. I think it's running natively. Uh, the Wii actually natively supported GameCube games. So, in a roundabout kind of way, you're running GameCube games natively on your Wii U, which is epic. It's so awesome. Uh, and that only... Uh, that not only allows you to run virtually any Wii title, uh, all Wii U titles, but also it allows you to run virtually any GameCube title on your Wii U as well. And using the Super Smash Bros. Uh, GameCube controller adapter for the Wii U, uh, you can actually even use a GameCube controller on uh, these Wii Virtual Console injects of GameCube games making this basically the definitive way to experience GameCube games, which is really awesome. And I, uh, I've i tinkered around with this quite a bit. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, you can even run the GameCube games on the Wii U gamepad and uh, play them just on the gamepad with the gamepad controls, and it works surprisingly well. Sometimes you might want to remap, and you can actually set it up so you can remap your controls if you would like. Uh, but most of the time it's perfectly fine. And I've played a lot of Mario Sunshine, Wind Waker, the original one, uh, some Tony Hawk games, all through uh, basically what comes out to being a virtual, re a virtual Wii running on the Wii U. And then on that virtual Wii, there's a virtual GameCube running on the virtual Wii. So there's like three levels here of emulation, but it works and it runs fairly well and I gotta say it's quite impressive running a GameCube game natively on the Wii U especially considering you can use that GameCube controller adapter it's you might as well just be playing on an HD GameCube it's really cool uh, and not only that but I haven't even talked about the homebrew apps you can get uh, I did talk briefly about how there is backups, uh, which again are sort of in a legal gray area as well. 
but you can also go ahead and uh, do stuff like backing up your save data using homebrew uh, you can unlock the region on your Wii U so you can play region locked games which a lot of people appreciate there's a lot of Japanese exclusive Wii U games that are actually really good um, from what I've heard and some of those you can only play on the Wii U so re uh, region unlocking your Wii U is actually really awesome to do uh, and there's all sorts of other things you can do too I know for a fact you can actually run mods uh, like if you have the Wii U version of Breath of the Wild you can run full uh, you can run the same mods that the people that are using the Wii U emulator on PC use basically uh, but you're running it on the official game on Wii U, which is really slick. It's actually really cool that they, uh, the community found a way to get this done. It's, it's just another one of those awesome features of uh, the homebrew community and the modded Wii U's. Uh, what else is there available? There's so much stuff, seriously. Uh, there's this tool that I use that I believe is called... Uh, I think it's called... It's either called HID to VPAD or VPAD to HID or something like that. And basically what it allows you to do is use any controller on your Wii U uh, for your Wii U games. So you could use an, an actual GameCube controller and emulate a Wii U Pro controller using your GameCube controller. So you could play Wind Waker HD or Twilight Princess HD or any Wii U game for that matter uh, with a GameCube controller. Um, you can use a Switch Pro Controller on the Wii U, which is really awesome, and I've done that, and it actually works really well. I played through a good chunk of Twilight Princess, actually, on the Wii U using uh, the Switch Pro Controller, and it works so well. I actually tricked a couple of my friends by showing them a picture of me, or a video of me, controlling Twilight Princess HD with my Switch Pro Controller, and they were like, what? what? Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I haven't even gotten into how you can mod the VWii and then run uh, Wii Homebrew on your Wii U as well. Uh, there's so many emulators too. Of course, you guys probably know what emulators are. Uh, but through emulation, you can basically fill in the gaps for what Nintendo consoles you can't play on the Wii U. And you get to the point where the only Nintendo console you can't play on the Wii U is the Switch. Everything else you've got covered, you know? And even some of the Switch games are actually just Wii U ports, so... The Wii U really is the Nintendo fan's best console. You can play every Zelda game ever created, except for the new Link's Awakening on the Wii U. Uh, oh, and the couple 3DS ones as well. You can play every main line console Zelda game not including the remakes on the Wii U which is a feat to be seen for sure it's really awesome actually uh, and the Wii U just has so much content for Nintendo fans if you uh, go ahead and mod it like this it's seriously it's like the Swiss Army knife of Nintendo you can just play basically any Nintendo game you want on it except for some of the Wii uh, the Switch exclusives and some of the 3DS exclusives, but you can run basically every DS game, every NES game, every SNES game, most GameCube and Wii games, and all the Wii U games, so really what else is there that you'd want to play other than the Switch games and the 3DS games, which, you know, they're brand new, so what do you expect, but 
it's really just awesome what you can do with uh, modding slash hacking your Wii U. And I'm glad I got into some of that in this segment. Now next we're going to move on to some of the things that I wish Nintendo would have done with the Wii U that could have made it even better than it is for Nintendo fans and for gamers in general. So now let's talk about some hypothetical, really easy things Nintendo could have done uh, with the Wii U to make it an even better console than it already is stock, and even with some modding, it's even better. But let's let's throw in some little adjustments Nintendo could have made to make the Wii U truly an epic video game console. So the Wii U um, used for its games... Uh, DVD-ROMs, which are basically just DVDs that contain data uh, instead of like a a movie or something like that. And because of that, I don't see any reason why the Wii U should not have been able to play DVDs. The Wii uh, actually had the functionality to play DVDs, but Nintendo flipped a switch on the Wii U, or on the Wii and the Wii U, I guess, that prevented it from being able to play DVDs. Uh, and through the use of homebrew on the Wii, and probably the Wii U as well, I actually don't know for sure, um, you can just basically download this application and it'll let you play DVDs on the Wii. And I don't see any reason why Nintendo did not allow Wii U's to play DVDs. It's It would have been such a fucking godsend for me as a kid, both for the Wii and the Wii U, to play DVDs. I would have only had to have one device plugged in to my old CRT, I wouldn't have to switch the color cables, and on the Wii U, you would have been able to watch the DVDs on the Wii U gamepad, and that would have been amazing. You could have controlled uh, all playback directly from the Wii U gamepad, uh, play, pause, fast forward, there could have been a scrub bar, which would have been really cool. Uh, and not to mention the Wii U already has a universal remote built in, which is even better. Um, so I really don't see any reason why the Wii U did not have DVD playback. Uh, being able to use the gamepad screen to watch a DVD while my parents are watching some stupid fucking TV show or something, like fucking, uh, America's Next Top Model or whatever, just to throw out an example of a show that my parents would watch when I wanted to be playing New Super Mario Bros. Wii. Uh, It would have been great if I could have just slotted a DVD into a Wii U and watched the DVD on the Wii U gamepad. So I don't see any reason why Nintendo did not allow the Wii U to play DVDs. So that's the first thing I want to change. Now the second thing I was thinking about, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently, you know how the Wii had uh, GameCube controller ports and uh, memory card slots so you could natively uh, plug in GameCube controllers and memory cards and just run the GameCube games. I don't see any reason why the Wii U should have removed that. Now, this is a bit more involved than just allowing the Wii U to play DVDs. That's something they could have easily done. Uh, but I feel like this, the Wii U should have kept up with the Wii's example of allowing GameCube games to be played on it natively. Um, And again, as I mentioned in the modded section, uh, the last one that I was just talking about, through modding you can play GameCube games natively on the Wii U and with the Wii U adapter for the GameCube controllers on Smash Brothers. 
But how great would it have been if you would have flipped down that little, uh, that little cover on the front of your Wii U and it exposed GameCube controller ports as well as two memory card slots and the SD card slot and the reset, resync, Renai's button for the Wii remote and the gamepad. It would have all fit down there fairly easily, I feel like. The disc slot genuinely did not take up very much of the screen or of the front of the console. Um, and they could have just made it a really wide flip down thing instead of the tiny little one with just the SD card reader and the resynchronized button that it has. You know, they could have very easily fit uh, GameCube controller ports and a couple SD card slots on the front of this thing. I don't know about the inside because I haven't opened it up, but seriously, the Wii U, along with the Wii, both have functionality to play GameCube games natively. For the Wii U, they just turned it off for no reason. And uh, thanks to modding, we finally have some of that back, but we'll never be able to plug SD card, or we'll never be able to plug official GameCube memory cards into the Wii U or be able to plug controllers directly into the Wii U. Instead, we'll always just be forced to use our modding tools to run uh, Wii game or GameCube games off of the virtual Wii uh, that we have downloaded. We'll never get to play native discs on our Wii U, which is such a shame. I have such a huge collection of GameCube games, and it would have been so nice to have a native way to play them in HD. And it wouldn't have been too much effort for Nintendo to go ahead and add GameCube functionality to the Wii U natively. And you could even possibly say that they could take it a step further and allow the GameCube games to be played on the gamepad as well. Since there's no motion controls involved, it'd be even easier uh, than making Wii games playable on the Wii U gamepad, which they already did. Because the Wii, the GameCube actually has a traditional controller. So you just map the buttons to the gamepad buttons and shove the TV screen onto the Wii U gamepad to play GameCube games on the Wii U gamepad. And I do this through my modded Wii U all the time, and it's really slick, and it should have been natively supported, I think, if they wanted to make the Wii U truly amazing. Now let's talk about a couple other things here. So when it comes to first-party Nintendo games... They really, really, really tried to sell people on the Wii U by pumping out a shit ton of first-party Nintendo games. This included stuff like Super Mario Maker, uh, Nintendo Land, they had fucking uh, multiple Zelda remakes on the Wii U, they had Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD, they had Breath of the Wild at the end, which was supposed to be the Wii U's actual main Zelda game, but then it kind of turned into more of a Switch and Wii U game. I almost wonder how much of uh, Breath of the Wild's delay time was just so they could work on a Switch port of Breath of the Wild. Because the Wii U and the Switch have very different uh, system architectures. The Wii U runs on a PowerPC architecture and the Switch runs on a Tegra uh, ARM-based architecture made by NVIDIA. And so I can imagine a lot of time and care would have had to be put in to get the Switch port running uh, as good as the Wii U version for the Switch. Because uh, there's such a big difference between PowerPC and ARM. ARM's like what you find in your phone and your iPad. 
and power PCs, like, more along the lines of what you find in game consoles traditionally. That being said, they are switching it up for uh, the new console generation coming out this November, and they're switching over to a Ryzen-based system on a chip, uh, and those should be very fast and really cool. Um, and my computer runs a Ryzen processor, so hopefully, you know, there'll be some easy PC ports out of it, but... Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent here about something completely different than the Wii U. But yeah, um, my main point is, uh, if they were going to put Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD on the Wii U, why did they release Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask 3D only on the 3DS? I don't see any reason why they couldn't have released them on both. Uh, Because if you've ever used the Citra emulator... Uh, for the 3DS, you can really upscale um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask to make them look beautiful with very little effort. And the Wii U could have very easily had ports of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask that would have been so much better than the 3DS ports. Um, And there would have been minimal work needed to get them up and running. Because literally the Wii U has the gamepad which can act as the bottom screen for your 3ds and then the top screen is the game and the only thing they'd really have to do is make a pro controller mode uh, where they would basically just make the bottom screen show on the top screen whenever you needed it but otherwise the wii u had gyro so you could keep your gyro controls that they were really boasting about in those two remakes uh the wii u had all sorts of shit and honestly they really just kind of shafted the wii u after it started failing they did release some heavy hitters on there but they kind of shafted it with those two 3d zelda remakes for the 3ds as well as not to mention the fact that the 3ds got animal crossing new leaf how hard would it have been to port animal crossing new leaf to the wii u like this is definitely probably the weakest of all my complaints and ideas with the Wii U, but I don't feel like it would have been that hard to make Animal Crossing New Leaf Plus, and it's basically just an up Wii U version of Animal Crossing New Leaf. It could have been the same game, and there could have been cross-platform connectivity between the Animal Crossing New Leaf on the 3DS and Animal Crossing New Leaf Plus on the Wii U. Um, And again, because of how the gamepad works and how there's two screens, one on the TV and two on the gamepad, it would have been a fairly easy thing to do to convert, you know, the 3DS game to a Wii U plus tablet controller game. So my big thing that I'm saying here is what Nintendo should have done is they should have realized that people love the 3DS, um but we want to bring people over to the Wii U. So what we need to do is we need to boast some of those big 3DS games, but on a TV and an HD. And they could have done that very easily by introducing Animal Crossing New Leaf Plus and uh, Ocarina of Time HD and Majora's Mask HD um, for the Wii U instead of just keeping them restricted to the 3DS uh, in a similar manner, you know, they already did that with 
Super Mario 3D uh, Land, or whatever it's called, Super Mario 3D Land and Super Mario 3D World, I believe they were called. Super Mario 3D World was just a flashier HD version of Super Mario 3D Land, so why didn't they do the same thing with Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Animal Crossing? And hell, they released uh, Link Between Worlds, which a lot of people love and hold as their favorite Zelda game for the 3DS. <laughs> um, if they needed more time to work on Breath of the Wild, why did they not release Link Between Worlds on both either? There's nothing wrong with releasing a handheld and a console version of a game, especially in the case of Nintendo with the Switch and the Wii U, where the two could have been completely comparable. They could have basically been the same game, just one on a handheld with some uh, lower resolution graphics and one on the console with the HD graphics. I think Nintendo really could have saved themselves a little bit and probably sold some more Wii U's if they would have focused a bit more on uh, the Wii U instead of making all these crazy games for the 3DS that they already had. Of course, I'm no business expert or anything like that, but I definitely think that that would have not been a bad idea. And one small thing that um, I had I did not mention in the last segment uh, is why didn't Nintendo use Wii U for the name for the Wii U? Why didn't they change the name? I can think of a, a hundred great names for the Wii U. Let me name some off for you. So let's see. We got the main focus of the Wii U being that it has a screen on the controller. So why don't we call it the Wii or the Nintendo Duo. That would be a good name. Nintendo Duo because it has uh, the dual screens, but it's a duo between your TV and the console screen. That that sounds like a good name to me. Or if they really wanted to push like for the um, sort of like calling back sort of thing where they called upon their old successful consoles, then... Why didn't they call it, like, the Nintendo DS TV or something like that? The Nintendo Dual Screen TV. I mean, that kind of implies that you have a TV with two screens. So that might not be the best name. I really like the Nintendo Duo, though. That's not a bad name at all. And it really has a nice ring to it, honestly, in my opinion. Um, What else would have been possibly a good name? Let's see. Um, You could have called it the... Nintendo Screen Boy. <laughs> Honestly, coming up with good names is hard. I I gotta say, but Wii U, U Wii, Wii U Wii U Wii U Wii U. No, Nintendo Duo. That's the the best possible name for the Wii U. So, in this theoretical world where the Wii U succeeded, it would have instead been called the Nintendo Duo. And it would have been epic. Not to mention the duo name could have been uh, multiple meaning, similar to the DS being developer system and dual screen. The duo could be referring to the fact that your TV works in culmination with the gamepad to have two screens. It could also mean that there is a 
uh, you know, a duality going on because the the Wii U theoretical Nintendo Duo slash Wii U has support for the Wii as well as the Wii U. So that's a duo of games. Um, or, you know, you could be referring to the fact that you can have two different types of main controllers, the gamepad or the Wii remote or really anything. It's It's just like... Duo is such a huge open deter- interpretation name that it probably would have been the best thing they could have named it, in my opinion. And it just has a nice ring to it, guys. I know I keep going on about it, but it does genuinely have a nice ring to it. And going further on the Duo name, I don't want to like sound like I'm just going on and on about this Duo name thing, but I just came up with another idea as well. Um, the Duo name... Uh, could have actually created an even better idea for the Wii U. So imagine, um, you know how the Wii U gamepad can only be used like five feet from the Wii U? Um, And it does allow you to play your Wii U games on the gamepad, but only within a five feet radius. So imagine if the Duo name came from the fact that it was a console and a handheld, but instead of Instead of being like the Switch where it's just the console is a portable that you dock onto the TV to make it a home console, what if the Duo, this upgraded Wii U, uh, was actually a console and a handheld? So you buy both. It would have been very expensive to manufacture, don't get me wrong. But imagine that when you buy yourself a Nintendo Duo, you are buying a console and a handheld that have the same exact system operating system kind of thing. They sync save data over the same networky, local networky kind of thing that the gamepad uses to connect to the Wii U already. They both run the same games, but it's basically like two separate systems that are just synchronized whenever they're close enough to each other. So theoretically, you could dock the duo uh, gamepad into the console in order to synchronize the data Um, or you could just have it close enough and it would wirelessly transfer your save data in between the two systems and it could be cartridge based so if you want to play at a higher resolution with better performance you put your duo cartridge game into the console and you can play it on the TV and you can even connect the uh, handheld console portion of the Duo to the console itself, and then you can have that dual screen still. Or you could play with the traditional controller, but either way, you can play your one cartridge on either the portable side of the Duo or the handheld, or the portable or the console side of the Duo. They have synchronized save data, but one is a powerhouse I'm talking about. The console is an absolute powerhouse of a system that runs the games at HD with good quality textures. We're talking like a PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Um, And that's the console side. But then it's more like a Switch when you use the portable um, which is the portable console part of the Duo. And then that would add a new meaning to the Duo name as well because you basically are buying a duo of consoles that work seamlessly together, play the same games, and allow you to keep your progress between the two of them. And I know it would be very expensive, and this is all hypothetical, and this is all just me fucking 
circle jerking about potential Nintendo consoles. But does that not sound cool as fuck? And that would have allowed them to sell you each separately as well. If you just want to buy only the home console duo, you can. Or if you just want to buy the portable duo, you can. Um, But if you buy both, they synchronize perfectly together and you can use the portable duo to play with two screens on the console duo. I think that that'd be probably the ultimate way to get it done. And that would definitely be the ultimate version of the Wii U. Folks, this week for my uh, game recommendation, I thought I'd take a little bit of a different approach. Uh, This week I'm going to recommend you guys two different mods uh, for Team Fortress 2. Now, if you've never played Team Fortress 2, Team Fortress 2 is basically uh, the original uh, team-based, class-based shooter. So, the original game uh, was a mod based off of Half-Life, the original, um, and it pit two teams, the red and the blue team, against each other in a series of different game modes, and you got to pick between multiple different classes for your characters, uh, each with their own unique skills and weapons and such. Uh, And Team Fortress 2 expanded that idea, um, and it's been around for a long, 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 long time. So, uh, back when I tried it out, all the way back in probably 2012, um, I didn't really have a computer that could run the game very well, so I got a couple matches in at some friends' houses, but otherwise I never really got to experience Team Fortress 2, both as it was then and as it is now. Um, and as it is now is completely different than what it was like way back when. There is a huge focus on hats now, and they do all these crazy seasonal events, and all these crazy weapons are in the game, and all these different game modes were added throughout different time periods that are both shifting in and out and stuff like that. And the game is very different than it was back in the day. Uh, what it was like when a lot of the people playing it nowadays refer to as the good old days. Um, so our first mod of the game recommendation segment here is called Team Fortress 2 Classic. And basically, it's a reimagining of Team Fortress 2, um, where they started from an early version, like the 2008-2009 era build, and they updated it from there uh, to have different modded, or to have different modded game modes and weapons, and even some different characters than were that were in the original Team Fortress 2. Um, they took a lot of Uh, weapons from the original Team Fortress as well as some of the ones that were planned to be included in Team Fortress 2 but never quite made it uh, and finished them up and put them in the game and basically Team Fortress 2 Classic uh, has the feel of the original Team Fortress 2 so no hats none of that stuff Uh, a lot of the game modes are more simple and classic style game modes like there's capture the objective still um, and all sorts of stuff like that as well as uh, new and improved VIP mode uh, which takes advantage of the new citizen class that was added into the game uh, and basically tasks a certain character with capturing a flag quote unquote which it's actually a briefcase uh, with intel quote unquote in it um 
and only the new citizen class can pick up the briefcase, and it's the job of everybody else on the team to protect the uh, citizen. Um, and the citizen class is actually really interesting. It's something that I guess they either had in Team Fortress, the original one, or they planned to have it in Team Fortress 2, but never like released it or updated it or something. But basically, the way it works is you play like this proper British short fat guy and whenever there's teammates around you um i guess the whole lore behind it is that you're bribing them to do better in combat so when you're next to other players you're actually boosting their defense and making them stronger um so you kind of act as like a a player controlled kind of like buff totem almost for the other players and you also have a charge meter, and you can uh, use up that meter uh, to give an attack bonus to the players as well. And it's actually a really interesting idea for a class, and I'm not sure the full history on it. If you guys want to check it out, uh, just look up the Team Fortress 2 Classic website, and there's this, all this information about how it was planned to be in the game originally, uh, and how they implemented it into their mod. But it's really, really cool, and... Uh, they have it in the game in VIP mode, and it's really, really cool, and I've been playing a lot of that. In addition to that, they have a new arena mode, uh, which reintroduces the green and yellow teams from the original Team Fortress. So that means that you're playing a Team Fortress 2 match with four teams, which has never been seen before. Um, and basically, your goal is to attack each other's objectives and the first to reach a certain number of points is the winner the first team out of the four and the way you get points is by holding multiple objectives gives you a multiplier on how many points you get per minute uh, normally it's one point per minute but if you capture two objectives you get two if you capture three you get three if you capture four you get four so the idea is you want to capture and hold as many points as possible um, so you can get as many actual points as possible, and then you're trying to get to the high score first before the other teams do. And it's really interesting that they added back the green and yellow teams because they have not been seen since the original Team Fortress, so it's cool they added it back. And that's Team Fortress 2 Classic, just sort of like a reimagining of what Team Fortress 2 could be if Valve kept a more traditional approach with the game. And it's free to play. And you can go download it off their website right now. It's really, really amazing. Um, and I've been playing it recently, and I'm not even, like, a huge Team Fortress guy. I never really got too huge into Team Fortress 2. Um, and I only probably played ever, like, 10, 20 hours of it. Uh, but I'm still having a lot of fun with it. So I definitely recommend checking out Team Fortress Classic. Um, and then the other mod that I'm going to recommend, it's way more in beta than Team Fortress 2 Classic is. Uh, but it's called Open Fortress. And Open Fortress is, in a similar vein to Team Fortress 2 Classic, a mod for Team Fortress 2 um, that sort of changes the game. Uh, and a lot of people swear by Open Fortress, and they say that it's the most fun TF2 experience to have in today's day and age. Um, and in my experience, that's very true. Team Fortress or Open Fortress is definitely more hardcore than Team Fortress 2 Classic, uh, and it's a lot less forgiving, and you definitely need to be more experienced and skilled 
at Team Fortress 2 um, in order to play it properly and enjoy it. Uh, but the game modes and the maps and the character customization, that's right, character customization, in-depth character customization in a Team Fortress game is pretty insane. Uh, in Open Fortress is really crazy, and there's lots of custom levels made by the community, and it's really over-the-top and hardcore, and it's a really, really fun game to play. And honestly, the, it almost feels more like an arena shooter than... A Team Fortress game, but I had a bit of fun playing that when I checked that out the other day. So definitely recommend that one to veterans or people wanting to get into something a little more difficult in terms of an FPS game. Um, but either way, folks, one of the two Team Fortress mods or both, if you like both, you can try both. Um, they're both available to download right now. Especially check out Team Fortress 2 Classic, though, because seriously, it's just... It's rekindled my interest in Team Fortress 2 and made me realize how I missed out on that game so badly. Because I loved Overwatch. I played the shit out of Overwatch. I was never good at Overwatch, but I enjoyed it. And I completely missed TF2, and it's got something completely different to offer when compared to Overwatch. It's similar, but it's very different and very fun. Um, definitely check out one of those two mods. And that's it for the game recommendation, folks. So, folks, I've ranted about the Wii U for nearly 40, 50 minutes now, and uh, I gotta say, it's really been enlightening to me. I truly love my Wii U. Uh, it's not as bad as everyone says. It's not as useless as I originally thought it was. It really is a great Nintendo console for a Nintendo fan. You can play so many great games on the Wii U from multiple generations of Nintendo, all the way from the NES to the DS, to the GameCube, to the Wii, and stuff all the way up to the Wii U. You can even play Breath of the Wild on the fucking Wii U with mods. That's so awesome. And uh, I I just, I love my Wii U, and I wish it got more love the, that it deserved over all the hate that it received. Um, and truly, with a couple slight modifications, Nintendo could have made the Wii U even better. It would have been so great as a kid to be able to watch DVDs on the Wii U or even the Wii um, but with the Wii U I would have had the second screen and it would have been awesome uh, it would have been great to play GameCube games by putting my discs into the Wii U I really wish they would have carried that over it was such a nice feature on the Wii I really sorely missed it on the Wii U um, but thankfully with modding that can be sort of fixed uh, and then of course there's stuff like the games it really would have been nice to see Nintendo support the Wii U with some bigger, heavy hitter style games. Um, and in this case, they could have had stuff like the mainline Pokemon games. They could have released uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon's third pillar game, Pokemon Stars, which was uh, speculated to be releasing. They could have released that on the 3DS and the Switch. They could have released Animal Crossing New Leaf Plus on the Switch, which would have just been an HD up version of Animal Crossing New Leaf for the Wii U. They could have released a whole slew of 3DS games on the Wii U instead or as a port and it really would have made the Wii U have a better backlog and even more games for Nintendo fans to love. And it really is such a shame that the Wii U did fail. I'm just grateful that going into the Switch, the Switch really does feel like what the Wii U was trying to be. You know, it has the whole portable 
separate screen gameplay thing. Um, you can still watch YouTube on it. You can't watch Netflix on it, but you still can on the Wii U, so I guess the Wii U's got that over the Switch. Uh, but a lot of those wonderful Wii U games have started to make their way over to the Switch. I'd love to see the Zelda HD versions move over to the Switch, uh, as well as Super Mario 3D World, which is being rumored right now to be coming to the Switch, uh, which I'd love to see that. And I'd just love to see some of those, some more big Wii U heavy hitters come to the Switch, because the Switch really is what the Wii U was trying to be, but perfected. You know, you got your console, and then you pull out the tablet, and then you have your tablet screen. The only thing the Switch doesn't have that the Wii U was really trying to push was that whole uh, two-screen for the living room setup kind of thing. And the DS really perfected that, and the Wii U tried to bring that to the living room. And I feel like it could have succeeded if it had more games, you know? Like, seriously, there's so many 3DS games that would have been perfect for the Wii U. And I just don't know why they didn't port some of them over. But either way, um, I'm glad we do have the Switch. And that the Switch is here to be the Wii U we deserved, you know? Um, At least in general. It's sort of like a spiritual successor to the Wii U. It's not exactly like the Wii U 2 or anything like that. Uh, but the Switch really is so different than the Wii U. They really took a step back, and they thought about it for a moment, and they were like, okay, so we need to change up the formula here. And they took the cute uh, Miis, and they put them in the background, and they focused more on the games, and they released a bunch of heavy hitters straight at launch. Literally, the freaking Switch's launch title was Breath of the Wild, arguably one of the most influential games Nintendo has ever released. It brought so many people over to the Nintendo side. There were so many people that I knew uh, who had a PlayStation 4, had an Xbox One, and then they were like, oh shit, Breath of the Wild. Oh, that game looks amazing. I need to get me a Switch. It's like Skyrim 2. <laughs> of course, that's all memes, but uh, it really was something. I tell you what, I'm just... I'm really glad we ended up getting the Switch because, in all actuality, I talked a lot in this podcast about a theoretical, uh, better version of the Wii U called the Nintendo Duo, and if you think about it, the Nintendo Duo is basically the Switch. I know I was, like, saying how, oh, it's completely different. It's really not. Um, It's just one console instead of two. I just love to see Nintendo take the Switch a step further and release a Switch Pro. On one hand, I'd be kind of upset that I'd have to buy a Switch Pro uh, because, you know, me being the huge Nintendo fan that I am, I would have to have the best version of the Switch. Uh, But I have so much... uh, I'm trying to think of the correct word here. There's so much sentimental value involved with my Switch because I received it as a Christmas gift um, from my girlfriend on one of our first Christmases together. And I've had it ever since, and I remember how happy I was. And it's such like a staple moment in our relationship when she bought that for me, and it's so important to me. Um, and it's one of my most prized possessions. And I could never sell that Switch if a Switch Pro ever came out. I'd have to buy it separately, uh, which would definitely uh, cause my wallet to hurt a little bit because the Switch is already three hundred dollars. Uh, And it's funny that I'm complaining about a theoretical Switch Pro that would cost more than $300, considering uh, Sony fans and Microsoft fans 
are well on their way to paying probably about 500 to 600 dollars if not even more for their next console but either way um it's it's it would be so great to see a switch pro that could even further improve uh the legacy of the wii u by making the switch even more amazing than it already is and i honestly i'm just grateful that the wii u was there to be kind of like uh the Yoshi to the Mario of the Nintendo Switch. You know what I'm saying? Like, the for Nintendo, they needed the Switch to succeed. So they had to ditch their Yoshi to get that extra height to their jump and succeed with the Switch. And the Wii U is truly a stepping stone for the Switch. And I feel like we have the Wii U uh, to thank for the the Switch being successful and the Switch being amazing and literally I play my Switch every single day, especially since Animal Crossing is released. Which segues perfectly into my plans for the next episode, folks. I think we're about done here talking about the Wii U. Uh, For the next episode of the Switch podcast, whenever it comes out, uh, me and my girlfriend are going on a long road trip. We're talking like halfway across the country long. Uh, and we're going to need something to do in the car. So I'm planning on recording a special uh, where me and her sit down and we give our full opinions on Animal Crossing. That's right. We're going to talk about Animal Crossing New Horizons. I've done probably three or four takes, uh, almost full episodes that I've just been thrown out where I talked about Animal Crossing by myself. And they were either too... uh, too disorganized or too boring basically i recorded the first attempt at the animal crossing episode uh right after the game came out and i was still so fucking hyped for it that all i was doing was just rambling and spitting shit out and it was insane kind of like how i was doing with the nintendo duo idea earlier in this episode it was very unorganized and it was just kind of frantic me just yelling shit into my phone um and then the second time I was in a bit of a slump with Animal Crossing, and I was sort of stuck, and that was, like, right before I unlocked uh, town ratings and terraforming and all that shit, so I was just kind of like, what do I fucking do? This game, there's, I'm, like, running out of shit to do, Um, and then shortly after I unlocked terraforming and everything, I was going to attempt to do another recording for that episode, like, take three, Um, but then I started feeling like, upset with the game because I was having trouble getting my town to look the way I wanted it to. Well, now I've played over a hundred in-game days. Um, I've played it every single day since launch. I have over 130 hours in the game, and my girlfriend herself has 80, so I feel like we're adequately equipped uh, to talk about Animal Crossing New Horizons now. So I want to sit down with her while we're on our extra long road trip and basically just discuss... uh, sort of what our feelings are on the game and I want to compare and contrast New Horizons to the previous entries that I've played and loved in the series Uh, and that should be a pretty interesting episode. No promises of course that it'll ever release because I always get cold feet with the fucking Animal Crossing episodes and just think it's too cringy or think it's too bad and then want to cut it. But I'm going to try my best to get that one out because it really should be interesting having her there to give some input as a newcomer to the series She did play a bit of New Leaf on my 3DS. I let her borrow it, but uh, in terms of 
her actually having experience with her own version of Animal Crossing, she never really got the chance to. So it'll be interesting to see my perspective as a veteran from the series compared to her perspective as a newcomer to the series. And I'll talk about my experiences with past games, and maybe I'll talk a bit about my introduction to the game again, even though I already sort of did that with the first Hypecast episode. Um, but it should be a jaunt no matter what. Um, and that'll be an interesting next episode. So folks, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this episode of the Switched Podcast. Hopefully the next one will come out and it'll be actually about Animal Crossing. It'll be a real fucking banger of an episode. Um, otherwise no promises. It might not be, it might not be the Animal Crossing episode. Who knows? Maybe something will go wrong and I'll just decide not to upload it. But either way, I'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening to me fucking man-child ass talk about the Wii U for almost an hour today. It's been fun. Bye-bye.